You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, it's David Bloom again here at Bloom in Tech. Welcome back. I'm so glad you could join me for a little while. Last night, the Streamy Awards were held, and among the winners was 73 Questions, a very smart, fast-moving show, that a series from uh, Vogue and Condé Nast that uh, talks with celebrities and fires uh, 73 questions at them, and they answer them in one single moving shot. Unsurprisingly, perhaps, that particular conceit actually proved to be a winner last night in cinematography for Joe Sabia, who is the creator of that. His director of photography got a shout-out, Vincent Peone, who I actually interviewed 11 months ago to the day, today, for an early episode of Blumentech when I was only on SoundCloud. I thought today was a good excuse after the Streamy Awards to pull up that Vincent interview and let you all hear it for the, all the folks out there that couldn't uh, get to the first, uh, the first version back in the day, although these many months ago. He's an entertaining guy. He works as a, you know, beyond his work with 73 Questions. Uh, Vincent is a commercial director through the folks at Big Block, the big uh, advertising and many other things company. They have a stable of directors, and he's one of them doing commercials for the side of that, that operation that creates TV commercials for many big companies. Um, he's also working on various projects, and you can hear what he was doing. Anyway, um, there's also some interesting background on how they make 73 questions and pull it all together. So without further ado, here it is. Hi, everybody. I'm David Bloom. We are talking today with Vincent Payone, who is a multi-hyphenate working as a director, producer, writer, and videographer on a huge range of projects from high-dollar commercials to online shorts to traditional TV and short films. Vincent attended film school at New York School of Visual Arts, where he created 50 videos of the sketch group before becoming founder and staff director of the Originals Department at CollegeHumor.com. He spent seven years at College Humor, where he made hundreds or thousands of YouTube videos and helped the site become one of YouTube's largest. He won a Webby Award for The Sea is Blue, the short film he created for YouTube's annual field day. Vincent's TV work has drawn awards notice, too, including two Emmy nominations for ABC's Boondoggle. Other prominent work has included directing Viceland's Most Expensivist. That sounds like uh, my life sometimes based on a web series he created, and the Netflix show The Green Beret's Guide to Surviving the Apocalypse, uh, which he no doubt uh, boned up on while living in New York, where he is based. He's a co-creator of IFC's Lee's Kill List. One of his most high-profile gigs, however, has been as director and producer of Vogue's super cool 73 Questions videos, where a star lets a camera into their home and agrees to answer dozens of rapid-fire questions as they move about. It's part interview, part home tour, part quick peek into a star's life, interests, and preferences. In honor of that series, we have not quite 73 questions of our own. So welcome, Vincent. Thank you so much. I appreciate so the introduction. Are... I only have one <laughs> quick addendum, and that's that yeah. I, don't, I don't direct 73 questions. I, I helped my buddy Joe, who created the project, bring it to life from the get-go, and I produce it and shoot it. You do everything else. 
Okay. Anyway, terrific. So there's a lot of humor in some of these shorts that you've done for Vogue, such as those featuring Mindy Kaling and a Zoolander 2 piece that features Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, along with Vogue's own Anna Wintour. You obviously have a long background in creating funny video from your time in college humor, but these are all prodigiously funny people in their own right. So I don't know about Anna Wintour, but the other ones certainly are known for that. <laughs> Who's driving the creation and direction of these projects, and how do they come into being? Fine question. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think people come to me because I, because I do comedy. So, you know, I, a lot of the stuff that comes across my desk is inherently funny or at least on its way there. <laughs> um, you know, Vogue is an interesting client because they're, they're sort of now dipping their toes more, more than ever into comedy. Um, and, you know, they're, they're unquestionably the authorities of their own universe. And I think that, you know, with comedy, they, they hand quite a bit of trust to me and, you know, I suppose anybody else who's working with them. So it's, it's kind of a cool gig to get in front of people, like you said, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, and, you know, just be given the keys to drive, you know, one of a project that's really important to them, and they trust your instincts explicitly, which has been a really cool, really cool partnership working with them for that reason. So does it kind of ping pong back and forth between, say, a Ben, a ben and Owen and you in terms of uh, a concept you'd like to do, or... I mean, Mindy, obviously, is a very funny woman, and, and uh, that's a really brilliant piece you guys did with her. It uh, sort of wounded my own ego watching her being <laughs> in that white, that white dress. And it's like, well, how about that cool hip hop? No, no, we really, that's, that's, for, that's a different shoot. You know? It was very <laughs> yeah. funny. Well, you know, people uh, like Mindy and Ben, they're, they're just, they're such consummate professionals, and they come prepared. So they had... They had a series of ideas and things that they that they you know checklist. Um, Mindy Mindy's was a little bit looser. I think Stiller came with a specific script that he had been working on with some guys. John Daly was one of his one of the writers. Funny enough, we used to work together uh, on college humor videos way back in the day. That so was a really weird weirdly roundabout connection that we didn't realize until the day. But they come with ideas and and in some cases, you know, I, I'm not gonna lie. There are times where I'm there to facilitate the funny that already exists and strengthen it and support it, nourish it. But, you know, then there are other times where, you know, for example, in the Mindy script, we didn't necessarily have a script. And it was, there was a lot more sort of ironing things out, feeling things out. And her being who she is, being so funny, you know, that was an easy task. It was really just a matter of uh, playing around with different stuff, seeing what worked the best. So I guess one of the things I should have put in there in your multi-hyphenate work uh, in your various roles is facilitating the funny. Is that correct? Facilitating the funny. That's what we do here. It's it's a band Yes. That's that's a good one. All right. Well, you've produced and and shot and done lots of other work on plenty of other 73 Questions videos with stars such as Selena Gomez, Nicole Kidman, Daisy Ridley, Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, it's quite a list. They generally appear to have been filmed without a cut or a break over several long minutes of rapid-fire questions as you roam about their house. Now, what's that process like? How much setup time is required? I mean, how many takes is it, is it usually required just to get one of these things in a can? You know, it's funny. When, when the show first came to be, I actually joke sometimes that the first one we ever did was Sarah Jessica Parker, and I, I think she should get a producer credit on it because she actually helped us create the show. Joe, my friend Joe Sabia and I, Joe's a staff at uh, Condé Nast. He runs digital, uh, Condé Nast Entertainment. He came up with this uh, this premise and said, you know, I want to I want to give Sarah Jessica Parker a, a personality test in a way we haven't seen her before. And then we were riffing back and forth, and 
I said, you know, why don't we try walking through her house without ever cutting? And he's like, I love that. I'm going to be asking her rapid-fire questions. So such was so was born the creation of this sort of weird uh, hybrid interview series. We showed up at her doorstep with 100 questions. And 73 is exactly how long it took to get around the ground floor of her brownstone. That was and, the name. That was the way we picked the uh, the number for the show. And it's and, and, and it's, that, survi- it's survived. Yeah. <laughs> Thus history was made. It, 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 it's not always actually exactly 73 questions. Because it appears like once in a while you guys deviate from whatever you had planned to talk about slightly. Well, uh, yeah, you've, you've got a keen eye if you if you did manage to catch it, but I think there were only one or two that we that we managed to not hit 73 questions, and believe me, the comments had us under the fire for that, over the fire. <laughs> oh, really? It's like we wanted three more questions. What happened? That kind of thing, right? Uh, yeah, the, I think the instance to, you know, to really show our cards here uh, was we did one with Matt Lauer, which was taped in between live segments at NBC, and he was running, literally running, from our, from our bit back on to live television, so we, we only had six minutes with Matt, which meant one take, um, which most of the videos run about five to seven minutes. We shot in between segments, and there were all these cameos planned, uh, you know, from all, from all the team there, Al Roker and everybody, Carson Daly, who was around the studio, and uh, Martha Stewart was one of them. And I forget what happened. Somebody, you know, missed the cue because it's live television. And somebody showed up early. And we jumped ahead to the question for them. And, uh, you know, I think we were shy about two or three questions. And the comments just lit up like crazy. You can't call this 73 questions. That was 68 uh, or whatever. But it was good. It was keeping people on their toes. <laughs> well, it is interesting to think about the kind of person who counts the questions while watching the conversation and and gets hugely offended by that. But I suppose this is part of living <laughs> in the Internet world that we now live in. You know, the recent 73 question segment you guys did with Vogue editor Anna Wintour and Meryl Streep is really terrific. It's, it's also very different from most of these projects. I guess Anna gets to decide that. For one thing, Anna's interviewing Meryl instead of you or another colleague behind the camera. For another, it's at Vogue in Anna's offices, and you include a couple of witty bits that refer to Streep's performance in The Devil Wears Prada, where her character is based on Wintour's own larger-than-life personality. It's also a three-camera shoot with lots of cuts and a whole setup before the two of them settle into their conversation. I think that was the whole thing was an homage to The Devil Wears Prada, the whole intro, right, as she's coming into Anna's office. And what was the creative yeah. process like on that project, and, and what do you remember most about it? Well, we decided early on that we had to address the Devil Wears Prada, um, even though it's, I mean, the reference is, you know, a few years old at this point, but they haven't really had too much interaction, at least publicly. So we decided that if we were going to get these two sort of titans of their own universes together, we at least have to, you know, um, speak to uh, why it's such an or- why it's such a crazy thing that they're sitting across from one another. My creative self for that, which I worked closely with the producer there, uh, Kimberly Arms, we, we came up with this, and Sally Singer, the creative director of Vogue, we came up with this cool idea to to, to basically uh, to introduce Meryl in such a way that pays homage to one of the more famous scenes in The Devil Wears Prada, where people are kind of giving, you know, giving her looks or sort of uh, avoiding her as she as she makes her way up to the office. And, uh, and, and we thought that would be a fun way to open it up. And we also, you know, speaking frankly, 
it was the best use of our time with Meryl because if you look, I mean, it, it feels like she's present for a lot more of that intro than she really is. There were only really two shots with Meryl that led up, but, you know, we sort of build the, the, uh, the mythology of her coming into the office around those two shots and, and uh, had, had a little fun with some of the, some of the visual storytelling there. Getting, she gets into the elevator and then she gets off and shrugs off the coat at the end of it. And, but in between, you're right. She's not, she's not there. You just think she is, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, we had a limited amount of time with her and we wanted to be respectful of that and, and not push it. So we kind of like built her into uh, this, this narrative that some, inclu- some shots included or some didn't. And from that point on, you know, they, they sat down to the interview and, you know, we always knew that part would be good because they're, they're just such, such juggernauts. And, and we knew that with whatever they'd have to say would be interesting. And, you know, we were not disappointed. They, right. they, the topics ranged everywhere from being a mom in today's world to Harvey Weinstein to they, what they sat down to talk about, uh, Catherine Graham, who was a close personal friend of Anna's and uh, character Meryl playing in, in the new Spielberg film, The Post. I, I love the fact that Wintour talks about being intimidated by Catherine Graham, the publisher of the Washington Post during the Watergate scandal, and that you know, later uh, she had become Wintour's mentor and, and as you say, close friend. Uh, and now Street's playing Graham. It's it's uh, it's a little confused to keep track of Street playing the <laughs> character that was the friend of the person she also played in a, a different movie. But, uh, as you say, these are two juggernaut women, you know, the real powerhouses in their respective fields, perhaps unparalleled in the history of each of their fields in terms of their influence. Were yeah. you at all intimidated shooting this particular project? What was it like being around them in this in this project? Definitely, I joke that I. I I, I'm not usually a person who cares about what I wear to work, but I changed 15 times that morning uh, <laughs> before going in. What do you wear to that interview? But yeah, uh, you know, they made it easy because they're they're just so professional. We had a really, you know, we had some good planning and some good insight as to how the, run, the day was going to run. And I attribute, you know, that to the production team over there at Vogue. So that was super helpful, and you know, like anything, yeah, this this was this was different. This was, I'd look left and then look right, and you know, pinch myself because you know, I'm I'm, I'm literally standing right between two of the most powerful, amazing women, brilliantly talented women in their own respective fields, telling them give me another take, and it was uh, it was quite an experience. It's not something I expect to have happen again anytime soon. Did any of that <laughs> conversation, as you say, they covered a lot of ground? I mean, Meryl Streep talking about. You know, I'm at the dinner table with my three daughters and we're talking about the male gaze because you have to protect them. You want them to be happy and in, in the world, but they got to be careful. And, you know, the Robert Mueller special investigation about Russian meddling and what that says about the Watergate here. I mean, did any of those conversations particularly resonate for you or spark your own thinking about re- recent events? Yeah, well, I, you know, I found myself listening quite a bit and just sitting back, you know, and, and hearing what they had to say because it was. I was just as interested as anyone who's listening or watching along at home, you know, and then it became my time to direct again as soon as they stopped talking. <laughs> uh, we live in insane times, and both of these women have such influence, um, and, you know, to see them frustrated by it all is, you know, I, I think it really humanizes them and the situations that are, are part of our daily lives. So it's it's a good time, though, you know, to speak to what Meryl said. I mean, it's an amazing, eye-opening uh, aware time in our in our history, you know, all we can hope for is that that uh, that will that will move forward and not stay the same or go backwards. Now you've shot 
still and video for a wide range of outlets, including lots of fiction stuff, high-end advertising, traditional TV, episodic entertainment, tons of internet video, and more. What's the most fun you've had on any of these projects? Wow, that's uh, that's a great question. The most fun. Well, you mean you mean which job, like uh, shooting stills yeah. or, or directing, or what sticks out in your mind? Like the best project, the most fun project, the one that boy, that was just a blast. You know, we talked about Zoolander a little bit, but that job was was specifically amazing <laughs> because, um, you know, we got it. It was sort of a last minute call because things were coming together very sort of impromptu as these things go sometimes. And we were backstage at a live event, you know, in, in Paris working with legends and the video was actually uh, was there was a correlation with the release of the video and and the event and the, the the event that they were actually doing a prank for a live event and we had to go I remember having taking the drive and you know literally running across the Champs Elysees to go back to uh, our hotel and start editing the video because literally every second that we waited people were you know, Instagramming and tweeting and the information was traveling very quickly because the event was happening at live at the, uh, the Valentino runway show. So every minute that we waited on the edit, we were just losing views. So the video actually got turned around, you know, I think maybe an hour and a half after the, the, uh, the surprise on the runway happened. And that was a, it was a, it was really just like a self-contained insane shoot. And then right. ended up, you know, paying off, you know, instant gratification for something, you know, I'm used to working, I'm used to working fast, you know, sometimes I'm turning things around as quick as, uh, you know, five days to a week, but that was literally, it was happening uh, second by second, and that sort of thing, you know, I don't, I don't get to have fun in that way too much, but that one, that one stood out to me as one of the best. So what makes for a good project in general, for, for what you like, and, and what platforms have you enjoyed most uh, when you've worked? I mean, what like they all have their own requirements and their own limits and opportunities. What uh, what makes a good one, and what which ones do you like most? You know, I think I think freedom is the most important thing to me uh, when it comes to creating content, and making making stuff that I'm proud of, and actually being able to touch the things that I like. Which it seems like you know, the bigger you scale, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be better. I think most directors would say that. You know, for for me, I I, I think. If I'm, create, if I'm creating something for a platform that allows me the freedom to play and, and truly make something that I'm, I'm happy with, then that's unmatched. And I, it doesn't even really need to be a, a platform of note. You know, some of the best stuff and the stuff that I'm the most proud of, I think, comes out of uh, people's willingness to be experimental and, uh, and go there. Well, let's talk about some technical issues. What's your favorite camera to shoot with? I think it goes, it varies per job, you know, sometimes it's good to be healthy, in which case, you know, you could get away with shooting. You know, I've made stuff that I'm happy with and proud of on GoPros. But I think, you know, I, I, have, I have sort of a, a soft spot for cinema, and I like to just inject a little bit of that in anything I try to do. So, you know, I, I like shooting on the Amira. Alexa makes great cameras. I recently shot 8K on the new RED camera, and that was pretty oh. exceptional. You know, you can yeah, turn right. a wide, a wide like? into a wide into a close-up. <laughs> right. Cut it in half, and you're like right in somebody's face, and it still looks fantastic, right? 
Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, it's exciting to think about where it's going, too. Um, the stuff that used to be reserved for, like, scientific experiments is now in the hands of creatives. And I think that I think that's only gonna that's only gonna keep uh, keep moving you know in, in a good direction for filmmakers. Yeah, I think it it goes it goes job by job really. You know, I I, I like I like having um, you know sometimes it's nice to have a big camera. You know, it, we we tried to build the camera a little bigger for Merrill. You know, and sometimes it's really nice to to just be a fly on the wall and and show people more of your face. You know, if you're talking to them, so. I think it ver I think it does vary for sure, but we're we're not shy of options. We're not that's for sure. Is there other favorite gear, software, or other tools that you rely on? Yeah, I um, sure. Yeah, I actually, you know, I the, the thing that I keep coming back to is, you know, I work I work with DaVinci quite a bit uh, in the color. I, I work out of uh, Company Three a lot. One of my favorite color colorists is this guy Jamie Abradovich, who's just amazing and. I'm always just floored with taking something that looks good and, and making it look great. And I think that, you know, the software is important, but, the, you know, the person behind it is, is still the most important. You know, a lot of the stuff I do is, is a little more on the practical side, but uh, I love I Aerie. Love I swear by, you know, Cook Lenses software-wise. I think, yeah, I'm, 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 using, I'm using a bit of uh, DaVinci here and there and, You'd have to ask my editors what they're cutting on, because most of the time I don't even recognize the software anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting how things have changed in that field, the NLE field, in the last oh. several years. Yeah. Really crazy, huh? So what opportunities do you see for creators, whether for art, entertainment, or advertising in virtual reality and augmented reality? Let's look a little forward here. I think, I think that... Look, any anything that's new is going to have its speed bumps, its share of speed bumps. But I think we're we're something with virtual reality. I think there's as the, as the tech gets more elegant and and more uh, approachable, I think you know so too will the content that's that's associated with the tech. So you know, I, I think there are all kinds of cool, exciting ways people are telling stories. Some of the plot lines in you know some of the video games coming out hold a candle to some of the best movies ever made. And I think that you know, when once once all these things get get mashed up, you know, into into the devices, I think I think we'll be in a really cool place and be able to expand what we're already doing in a really exciting way. I think Minority yeah. Report, yeah, Minority Report predicted it. They got it right, right? Yeah, they got a lot right. I mean, Silver spent a lot of time. He got together a bunch of futurists and spent a lot of time trying to, to envision what things might look like. So he had some help as they created that but clearly they, the think uh, tank yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all i that's so, all i want you know i really just want a think tank i'm not yeah, sure don't we what all. yet david but at some point you know i just want to bring every maybe uh ray kurtzwill will invent me a uh computer think tank at some point well you if you think about it what you really need is a think tank to think about what think tanks should be like in the future now we're talking now we're talking right? the, sing the yeah. singularity yes it's a little meta, but you know it's got some possibilities. So, looking in the future here, what what do you think is the future of advertising as more viewers shift to the internet and outlets such as Netflix, where you've done some work? Is it heading to more storytelling and branded or native content? I mean, is it things like the humor that you facilitate? I mean, are those the kinds of things that need to be done to bust through all the noise out there? Well, I think you know, I think humor is one backdoor in. 
you know, to uh, to getting people to pay attention for sure. But I think you know, across the across the board, we're seeing more and more the, the present of advertising is that people are becoming okay with the fact that you know the 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 content has to be good first. It's what it's what creators have been saying all along. It's like it has to be good if you care to sell anything to anyone. You know, and I, I think it's opening. That's opening a lot of doors because people are people are actually responding to that and saying, yeah, I want to make. I want to make good stuff, and you know that happens to be brought to you by, and uh, and that's that's exciting because there's you know there's tons of uh, there's tons of opportunity there for people to make things that they've been passionate about, genuine passion, uh, you know, for ages, and 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 have other people uh, pay for it, <laughs> which is yeah. which is uh, sounds like a good deal to me, um, and everybody yeah. wins, you know, when it works, yeah, exactly. everybody wins. Exactly. So what uh, to wrap this up? What projects are you working on now that you can talk about? Sure. Yeah, I got the IFC show um, that I'm co-writing and co-created with um, my partner Josh Rubin uh, that I'm really excited about, and uh, I've been speaking with TBS about a project that I'm I'm really excited about, which is not official yet. And I'm also I've got a movie in development that I'm hoping to make next year. That's sure to be uh, a a wild ride and bridges uh, a lot of the things I love and. It brings a lot of the comedy that I've that I've always sought after, you know, into into one screen experience. Yeah, that's um, that's what hopefully next year and beyond will be for me. Great. Now this has been David Bloom with Vincent Payone, the director, writer, producer, funny facilitator, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's a multi, <laughs> multi, multi hyphenate and uh, think tank thinker. You can see more of his work at his website, uh, Vince. Payone.com, and that is spelled P-E-O-N-E, and follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at his name, Vincent Payone. Vincent's management is uh, Principato Young Entertainment, and his commercial representation in the United States is with Caroline Gomez at Big Block Media. Thanks for your time, Vincent, and uh, stepping off the streets of New York to give us a little rundown on where the world of filmed entertainment advertising and the rest is all headed. David, I'm nothing without an introduction like that. Thank you. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.